0: everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate podcast through the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and really glad that you have joined us. And we are in the middle of a series called Panorama of the Bible. We're kind of walking our way through the big picture story of the Bible, kind of helping us piece it all together in chronological order. And today is going to be part five. And so if you have missed the first few, I would encourage you to go back and make sure that you are catching all 12 of these and that you're listening to them in order because again the big the big idea here is to help us understand kind of how the the big picture of the bible fits together kind of what the story is in chronological order because especially the old testament you'll find yourselves it's not it's not in chronological order you get to the prophets you're not sure where those go you'll see repeats of the same story and there's just it's they're they're essentially arranged by they're arranged by genre more than they are arranged by um, chronology, and so that can make it difficult sometimes. And so this is just kind of a really good simple tool that I have borrowed in part from uh, Robert Cup at Fellowship Bible Church in Northwest Arkansas. and it has it really helped me about 25 years ago, and I hope that it can help you as well. So again, we found ourselves today in part five, and to kind of catch up where we are, we started with Genesis 1 through 11, which is called the Prologue. It kind of intros the story, it kind of sets the table for it, intru- introduces us to God, lets us know who this God is, that he is a creative God, he is a loving God, he is a gracious and compassionate God. We learn about people and kind of their instincts to kind of uh, to sin against God, to be in rebellion against him, and we see God taking these steps to redeem and restore the world back to him, which kind of sets the table for what you would just kind of consider the primary conflict or the primary plot line for the rest of the Bible. How is this loving God going to redeem and restore this world back to him? We've got a loving, gracious, compassionate God wanting to draw back to him a rebellious people. So we see that in the prologue, Genesis 1 through 11, which sets us up kind of again for kind of really where the story starts, which is in Genesis chapter 12, and that starts the section called the Patriarchs, where we learn about these kind of key heads of these Jewish families that kind of ultimately become God's chosen people, Israel, the Jewish people. And we talked about this and that when we talked about this the Patriarchs, that I mean, sometimes we get worked up about there being a chosen people of God as somehow as God is playing favorites. And God did not look at all the people and decide which one was his favorite. He took, in a very tribal culture, he took a one person and said, I'm going to turn you into my tribe and I'm going to show the world what it looks like to be a part of my tribe. And in his initial call to Abram, who became Abraham, he says to him, I am going to bless you. And the whole world is going to see this blessing and we're going to know what it means to be blessed by me. But ultimately I am blessing you so that every group of people on earth can be blessed through you. So it starts with Uh, Abraham and God making this call to him. And Abram has a son, Isaac, and the blessing is passed on to him. He has two sons, Jacob and Esau. The blessing is passed from them to to Jacob. And then Jacob has 12 sons, which become the heads of what will be known as the 12 tribes of Israel. And um, you get the story of Joseph there. And in these 12 sons, you have the foundation for, again, what is going to become the Jewish nation. And so that's the prologue and the patriarchs. But what happens next is, is in that story of Joseph, God's chosen people leave the promised land that God's given them and end up in Egypt. And there's kind of this theme that runs all throughout the Old Testament of people choosing to turn to Egypt rather than choosing to turn to God. And we see this over and over again. And in this famine, they are choosing to put their faith and trust in Egypt rather than God. You think, well, my God kind of raised that up. me. To some, obviously that's true, but at the same time, they were supposed to be primarily looking towards God. So they should not have left his land, instead they find themselves there and decide to take comfort and find their rest and their place in the kingdom of Egypt rather than in the kingdom of God. And after a while, it turns, the Egypt turns against them and they find themselves in slaves. And after several generations, about 400 years, um, they find themselves in this situation and God raises up someone to redeem them. And that is just a part three, which is redemption and wandering. And in there you get the story of Moses and the the going to Pharaoh, let my people go. The 10 plagues come. They ultimately then release them. You get the Red Sea story where God swallows up the Egyptian army. You get get to Mount Sinai where God kind of formalizes this covenant with them. We get the 10 commandments. We get the law. And we get them on this journey uh, back to the land that God promised them. And on the edge of that land, they send 12 spies out to spy out the land. And um, two spies come back and say, hey, they they may be tough, but God's with us. Let's do it. And 10 are very scared. And they choose to agree with the 10. And they choose not to um, go and take the land that God has promised them. And God judges them and says, okay, well, since you're doing that, no adult that's alive right now is going to be able to go in there. And so they try to conquer it anyway because they're sorry, but God is not with them and it goes poorly. And, and so they have to then wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. And so that's part three, redemption and wandering. And that section ends with them back on the edge of the promised land. And Moses is also now by this point, he has sinned against God in a very public way that was very upsetting to God. And God told him, now you're not going to be able to lead these people either but I will get you back to the edge of it. I'll get you on a high mountain where you can see it, but ultimately you're going to die before we can go. And so Deuteronomy ends with the death of Moses. So part three, redemption and wandering, has taken us now um, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So that's through the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the Torah. And then part four was conquest. They're now on the edge of the land and now they begin to conquer it. Joshua has taken over for Moses. And he leads them in this conquest of the land that God has called them to. And he was called to, to drive out all of the people who um, are against him to conquer them to some pretty bloody battles in there that can be a little overwhelming. Again, I encourage you to listen to last week to make sure that we can also see in the midst of all of this war, the gracious, loving, compassionate hand of God as well. And so all throughout this is kind of a story of this campaign of them reclaiming the land that God has promised to them. And it ends, the, the, the book of Joshua ends with them not quite finishing the job that God had called them to and allowing too many of the people to live amongst them and to be a part on this land. And God says, that's not going to go well for you because you're going to be sucked into their idolatry. And so that takes us through the book of Joshua, now through the first six books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. Now, the very next book is the book of Judges. Now, depending on, you know, all sorts of different people have different names kind of for how to describe Judges. In the original um, panorama of the Bible material, section five is called apostasy, which is your fancy uh, nickel word for the day, which is essentially the word for when a a group of people who follow God just choosing to reject him. So apostasy is when you find yourself, you're supposedly a member of a particular religious group, but you are an open and active rebellion against your God. So it's referred to that, which I would just say is just a little bit harsh. Um, No criticism to the awesome people who created this, but I don't know that that necessarily captures it. And other people, if you've ever read about the book of Judges, maybe refer to it as the sin cycle, and we'll talk about this cycle that just continues to repeat um, through the book of Judges, and they call it the sin cycle. And then there's a more optimistic guy out there, uh, that, that more optimistic people refer to it not, not as the sin cycle, but the redemption cycle. I mean, there's a full cycle that includes God's redemption from sin, why? Why focus on the sin part? You should call it uh, the redemption cycle. We'll 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 skirt both of those, and basically, it's just this is the this is the cycle of judges. It's the judges cycle. we it the this section of scripture is essentially talking about. They're now in the promised land. They are ruled not by a king, which we will see later in our next section. They're not ruled by a king. They're ruled by these judges. Essentially. This is uh, supposed to be a theocracy. God is the only king that they have, and God has set these judges to kind of oversee certain disputes. They're supposed to live by the law. These judges are supposed to help enforce that. They don't have a king. They don't have a prime minister. They don't have a president or anything like that. God functions as all of those roles. They're supposed to be governed by God and God's laws, and there are these judges that are there to help enforce um, these laws. So they'll have different prophets that play these roles, these judges that play these roles. But ultimately what you're going to see all throughout the book of Judges, again, is this cycle. And so we'll typically start, the the beginning of the cycle starts with um, the Israelites being in some manner of active rebellion. They are rebelling against God. They're not worshiping God. And again, just like as essentially is predicted in, in Joshua was predicted in Deuteronomy. Hey, if you don't do a good job of kind of making sure to kind of rid your land of idol worshipers and people and the idols and these false gods, they're going it's going to be a trap for you. And we see this playing out from the very beginning in the book of Judges. So the cycle begins with them turning away from God and turning to idols, turning to idolatry, worshiping other false gods. And so what then will immediately then happen after they fall away from God is God will bring up some outside group of some kind to come and oppress them. It is very often in the book of Judges, it's very often the Philistines. And the Philistines are a group that you should really get used to reading about. You're gonna see them in Judges, you're gonna see them, you'll see them as a primary enemy for the kings of Israel that are gonna come later. So they will come and they will enslave them. They'll oppress them in some way. And so they start with sin. Then you have this punishment. And then ultimately you will have then they cry out to God. Hey, God, we have made this mistake. We are so sorry. We are sorry that we have turned away from you. We are sorry that, um, that we have worshipped these false idols. We're so sorry. And so then God will bring about then um, some sort of redeemer raise up one of his judges, someone to redeem the people who God will give them a plan. He'll give, he'll anoint them with some special power. He'll do something where then this this person is called by God to free um, and redeem God's people from this oppression. So the four parts of this cycle are the sin, the punishment, uh, the repentance, and then ultimately the redemption. And so this cycle plays out over and over again in the book of Judges. And to kind of help you make sense of the book as you're reading it, you'll see they've done something wrong. Uh, something bad happens to them. They repent. God brings in somebody. Really cool story happens. The people are free. They're worshiping God again. The next thing you know, you get to the next chapter. And then they forgot. And then they started worshiping false idols again. And they started doing this. They started doing this. And so then the Philistines will come again. And, then, and the, the story just repeats itself and i think as a as a piece of literature that's really a, a really it's really a great book in that sense to kind of drive into the minds of the israelites who who are one living this or in later times reading this reading this about their history i mean to see well, not only is that what they did but that really is kind of what we're still doing as god's people and for us who are not god's people in the same way um that the Israelites were, but really, as individual worshipers and followers of Jesus, I think we should see ourselves in this. This is this is a cycle that happens in my in our lives, and you see it all the time. It, it's a, it's it was a stereotype thousands of years before you started doing it, where you get really comfortable in your life and you turn towards things that aren't God. You find hope in life elsewhere. You start worshiping uh, yourself. Um, money, power, something like that. And then all of a sudden your life goes horribly wrong the way that it always does. When we turn away from God, we repent. God does something really cool in our life. And now things are good again. And you find yourself back in that cycle. And so it drives the point home in judges. And I think ultimately after it's fifth or sixth telling, maybe it, maybe it will sink in with us. It's like, wow, that's, I think that's me because the first time you think it's like, oh man, that was, that was really dumb of them. And The second time you're like, no, that's really dumb. What is wrong with them? Don't, can't they remember? The third time is like, man, these are the stupidest people alive. And I think by the time you get to the fourth or the fifth version of this cycle, hopefully you'll be like, wait a second. This is me. This is what I do. This, this is not simply a story of the Israelite people at a particular time. This is all of our stories. This is how we are, and so that's really the way that the Book of Judges functions. It is. It is not. If you're looking for progress in the story, if you're looking to get from point A to point B, um, that's not what this story is. I, I, I hate movies like this. I hate. I hate. I hate TV shows like this where there's some problem and, and then bad things happen in the end. We're already back where we started. We're not making any progress. This is not a point A to point B story. This is a point A back to point A, back to point A, back to point A, 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 B, C, D, A, A, B, C, D, A, 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 I mean, just back, 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 back. And again, a a loud warning is being shouted here in this book. Do not allow yourself to get sucked into the same cycle that the people in the time of judges did. Whether you want to call it a sin cycle or a redemption cycle, whatever the cycle is, be free from it. Don't live your life this way. Do not forget about the God that redeemed you, the God that saved you. Do not turn away from him. And so, in this story of the book of Judges, there may be some stories here that you are familiar with. And again, each one of them falls into the pattern. Um, the story of Gideon may be familiar to some of you. We 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 have preached on this at the grove before. It is in fact Mark Freeman, it is his one of his favorite stories. And we we spent some time talking about this pretty early on in the pandemic. And Essentially, he's this guy, he's this nobody, nobody guy from this nobody tribe. And the nobody, he's just kind of this nobody. And God raises him up to lead an army. And he starts off with this army. Like there's like 10,000 people who are willing to go and fight the Philistines and free the people. And God's like, that's, that's way too many. Then he cuts it down. He cuts it down. And ultimately ends up in him and 300 people about to go take on this huge oppressive army. And God does this really cool thing that rather than being any real military tactic to it at all, uh, there are no actual military fighting, no combat at all. They go at night, surround their camp, and then start making all of these loud noises. They start smashing these pots where it sounds like to the people in the camp, like they are in fact under attack, but it is completely dark. And in the chaos, they think they're in an attack, and they start they start battling with swords. But the only people there are the Philistine army, and so as such, they're just killing each other, which again is a pretty cool tactic, I suppose. But really, more than anything, shows the hand of God, which is the purpose of that—to be more than just hey, you know, if you guys are strong enough and focused enough, you can do it. No, I'm going to show you that with a with a small number of people, with a very insignificant leader. I can bring you deliverance. It's about God, not about Gideon. And in one of the most frustrating endings to any particular story, right on up there with the Noah story, I, I, I don't want to get too distracted, but you know, the Noah story, God does all the cool things. He saves him, he gives all the art. And then immediately Noah gets drunk, passes out in his tent. I mean, it's just it's just a crazy ending to that story. Gideon, the same way, he sees God do this incredible thing and deliver them from the Philistines and We're no longer going to, you know, Gideon removes the idols from his, from his town is the first thing that God tells him to do before he creates this army because of the courage he shows and removing the idols from his town, God picks him and he leads this army and does this really cool thing. And he goes back and he builds an idol. And that's how that story ends. It's like, and it says, and it was a snare to their family and to that tribe for generations. Like man alive. Like it doesn't even take very long for that story to end before the next cycle for them begins. Another one you may be familiar with is Deborah. That is right. That is a female name. That is a woman that we've talked about and she's raised up and there's, she's got incredible wisdom. People are coming to her all the time to settle disputes, to get her wisdom. And again, they find themselves in another situation where they're needing somebody to raise up an army and there's this guy that gets called called to do it. And he says, man, I'm, I'm not going to do it unless you're with me, Deborah." And Deborah's like, well, I mean, and it's a really interesting thing. Her just kind of playing on this, the general gender stereotypes of her era. I was like, man, I, I, I guess I can come with you, but you need to understand then the way that this story is going to be understood. They're going to say, not that you did this, but that a woman did it. And he's like, I, it doesn't matter. Please, we need you. And she's just this incredible, strong woman with an incredible amount of wisdom who is one of the judges that is allowed, that leads um, God's people, again, out of some oppression. Another story that a lot of people will be familiar with is the story of Samson. Samson's in here, and he will just call him the strongest, the biggest, the most outlandish, and the worst of the judges. I mean, he is just, he's dumb as a rock. He he is a, it never really seems to demonstrate much in what we would call intelligence or morality, But the story itself is pretty incredible. The amount of strength and power that God has given to this guy who is just not great. And, you know, if you grew up in, you know, church Sunday school or whatever, anytime you tell a story about a dude who's in the Bible, you're like, you got to tell it like they're a good person. But it's like you read it and you're like, I'm not sure what his good quality is, except that he just happened to be blessed with this supernatural strength. And he just kind of accidentally sometimes kind of, does good things for the country, for, for his nation. But ultimately, he's just kind of a selfish little punk, which is really interesting why God would continue to put God put stories like that in here that really don't seem to have any real moral fiber to them, except to say, God will use anybody. I mean, there's a story in Numbers about God using a donkey, and this guy's not much off from that. But it's like God, God's blessing, his strength, what he gives, it's really not based on who you are, what you do. It is on who he is. So he's a guy that has a really long hair. And again, just as dumb as he could be, he he marries this woman that he's not supposed to, who is from the group that is oppressing him. And they're trying to figure out what is the key to his strength is. And she keeps asking him and he keeps lying and he'll lie. And then all of a sudden the next day, all the bad guys will try to come and do the thing. Oh, if you tie my hands with this type of rope, I won't have any strength. The next morning he wakes up and they've done that to him. And, and this happens over and over again. She keeps begging him to tell her the secret, and he keeps giving her lies, and they keep trying to kill him. And so ultimately he, he gives up and is like, fine, I'll tell you. Like, what did he think was going to happen? What exactly happened? Was is they gouged out his eyes and made him a slave. Anyways. And then I guess in his one one moment of possible redemption the very end, blinded, he asked this servant guy, he's been kind of used as kind of like almost like a, the entertainment kind of from the bad guys. And he asked this guy to, this, this servant to kind of put him next to two pillars. And um, he asked God for strength one last time and he pushes on the pillars and the whole building collapses. But I mean, but I wouldn't say it was a particularly godly moment. It was just, it was again, it's part of the cycle. I've done something dumb. God, will you rescue me from my dumbness? And it's a really it's a it's a really it's a fascinating story. But if we're going to talk about judges and we're going to talk about fascinating stories and if your head pod- podcaster here is in fact left-handed, I can only talk about Ehud, E H U D, the only explicitly mentioned left-handed dude in the Bible. God raises him up in one of these circumstances and the king that is oppressing them is described in the most morbidly obese fashion you possibly can. Just fat, fatter than you can possibly not, not normal fat, not oh, he's probably he's probably three bills. Like you get the impression this one of these guys that was like six, seven hundred pounds or whatever. It's 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 gross the way he's described. And so he's coming theoretically to meet with this king to bring kind of their paid tribute that they're supposed to give to this king. And so as, you know, there are, you know, as you would do, if you're going to meet the king, you're probably going to get frisked, right, by the king's guards. But because he was left-handed, apparently he would keep his dagger in a place that you would normally not frisk. So he's able to get this sword past all his guard all the guards. And rather than giving him tribute, he kind of, he kind of says hey, I need to give this dude a message in private and convinces everybody to leave. So it's just the king and this dude. He pulls out his sword, stabs him in the belly, and this dude is so fat, it says that, the, that essentially his sword got swallowed up, where you couldn't even see any of the sword anymore. And then, I don't know why it says this in the Bible, but you can't get mad at me for saying it if it's in the Bible, and it says he poops himself, and it's, it's just it's just wild and gross. And then he comes out and says, hey, don't go in there, he's, he's using the bathroom, which is wild, and it's just, it's just disgusting, it's insulting, and this left-handed dude is just amazingly, he's, 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 just, he's just incredible. Anyways, you just get some great stories in there. But again, in the context of all these really cool individual stories, we need to make sure that we understand just the general context. Again, what's happening of this cycle, the cycle of sin, punishment, um, repentance, and deliverance. And we want to see it there. We want to recognize it in them, but not make the mistake that too many of us do when we see somebody in a really bad spiritual cycle to stand at a distance and think that we can point fingers. But rather than I see myself in that and I will do what I can to avoid that cycle in my own life. And then maybe just even to recognize, hey, maybe I'm in that cycle right now. Where am I? What is the next best step for me? And so rather than judging the people and judges, um, we should uh, see ourselves and uh, and allow God to free us from that cycle. So again, thank you so much for joining us for part five of our panorama of the Bible discussion. Again, we've got seven more episodes of this. encourage you to keep tuning in. And as always, if you're in Northwest Arkansas, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. You can join us at the Grove Church. You can find out all the details you need to know about our Sunday service at thegrovechurch.org slash connect. You fill out a form there, let us know you're coming. And again, if you're not if you're not local and you find this podcast somehow, we'd love to connect with you anyway. Go to that same website, and you can find our services streaming. We're streaming our second service every week. You can get all the details about that. So whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you. Again, this is Charlie Lofton, lead pastor at the Grove Church, and thanks for joining us.